morning, church. Thank you, Jerome, for leading us in worship. Glad to see everybody here this morning. It's always good to see all your smiling faces. Um, if you're a visitor with us this morning, welcome home. I've been praying that you uh, have experienced the love of, of Jesus this morning so far. Um, let's, let's start off with a word of prayer. Father God, you are so good that you have given us life this morning. Well, we pray that everything we do here today lifts you up, glorifies you, and that, and that you are seen and that you are experienced and that you are felt. God, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, so that we can have life here on earth. And we pray that, that we are living this life for you and that others see Jesus and they want to know more about him. They want to know how he can change lives. God, we thank you so much for giving us the time and the space to come and worship you. Lord, uh, thank you so much for everything that you've done, everything that we'll do, and in the future what you will, what you will uh, create for us. It is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. You know, there are certain things in life that we all experience and can identify with. Uh, this morning, I want to talk to you about how God, the God that created the heavens and the earth, and you and I, is still active. He was active in, in the Bible times and is still active today. So I want to talk to you about the Exodus this morning. I'll be starting in uh, chapter 15, if you want to follow along with me. Uh, Exodus is the second book of the Bible, and it details the account of Moses leading Israel out of the oppressed slavery of Egypt and the Pharaoh. Now, Moses and God leads his people to the edge of the Red Sea. God parts it. They walk across, and the, and the Egyptians are taken into the Red Sea after that. And then Moses and the Israelites on the other side, standing safely, first thing they do, they sing a song of praise to God. Verse 1, it will, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Israelites knew that God, and only God, could do the things that they had just witnessed. Now, they all came together as one and worshipped. That's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Jerome gets to stand up here and see that every week. And I bet if you were to ask Jerome, he would say that it's beautiful as well. And in verse 6, it says, Your right hand, O Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. They know that God's hand is powerful in what it can wield. And it's easy for me to see the power of God in this season of life because Sarah is 26 weeks pregnant. We're going through and reading different things about what the baby is doing inside of her womb, what God is, is, is doing right now. And our baby boy is able to hear sounds and react to them. I was reading him a story the other night. And I got finished about Moses. And I put my head on her belly and he kicked me in the face. That was pretty cool. I thought that was pretty awesome. So it's easy for me to see the power of God in that way. Now, the Israelites are saying that God's hands are strong in everything that they do, which started back in creation. But because of sin, we forget pretty quickly who redeemed us from the past life of spiritual slavery. They continue singing in verse 13. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength... You will guide them to your holy dwelling. God had brought them out of Egypt. 
into a new relationship with the same God of their ancestors. God wants them to see and to know what he wants for them so they can make it through what is to come. They don't know it yet, but they're in for some wandering. And I love the way that they end the song in verse 18. says, the Lord will reign forever and ever. They knew God was present and active with them and will be there for their children, for their children's children, and so on and so on. Then they start walking. They start walking for three days, but they can't find any water to drink. God leads them to a place that has water, but they can't drink it because it's bitter. Have you ever been so excited about a situation, about something, that when it finally happens, it doesn't meet your expectations? It doesn't play out the way that you had planned it in your head? Did it make you bitter? Did it change the way that you viewed God? God's people begin to grumble to Moses about not having anything to drink. So Moses cries out to God and shows Moses a branch from a tree. And Moses throws it in the water, and God makes the water sweet enough to drink. I want you to underline verse 25 here in chapter 15, because I'm going to come back. I'm going to circle back to that, and there's a lot there. I want to come back to that, so just circle there. So God can do some amazing things through our grumbling. Even in our grumbling, God is still working. The Bible says that Israel grumbled against Moses, but in reality, they were grumbling against God. And this part of the story is where God tells Israel what they need to do, what they need to prepare for, and they're wandering in the wilderness. God says, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes, and will give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. God is telling his people that now that they are free from the Egyptians, I'm not going to do anything that I did to them, to you. But I'm in charge of you, and, and I need you to do something for me. It, I need you, you're, you're required to do something for me. And one word is obedience. Now, we are to listen to the voice of God. Sounds easy enough, right? Sarah's got this thing that she does now. I'll be most likely in a book, and she'll say, are you listening? And I'll, of course, you know, yeah, of course, sure. And then I'm not normally all the way. But then she has to say, now she says, I need you to listen with your eyes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, oh, okay, so I have to put the book down. But God and Moses then lead Israel to a place where there's plenty of water and there's shade so they can rest. But that wilderness wandering doesn't stop there. They leave this place of comfort and travel to the place called the wilderness of sin. Now, I know... Because first glance at that, it sounds like a horrible place to be, right? The wilderness of sin, but it's not that kind of sin what you're probably thinking of. The sin that they're talking about is most likely, it means uh, thorns and clay. So that area most likely had a lot of that stuff. So that's why they called it the wilderness of sin. It wasn't sin of wilderness. But that, this verse says in verse 3, the entire congregation, or some of your versions may say the whole community, began to grumble and began to think that Moses and Aaron had led them out of Egypt where they had plenty of everything, plenty of meat, plenty of bread, plenty of water. They thought they were leading out. They said, they brought you out of here so you could kill us out here. That's how bad they were starting to think. 
They were being tested by God all of a sudden, and then they had to ask God to provide the basic necessities in their life. Bread and water. God was preparing and testing them. They were going to have to be so reliant on God for everything to survive what was to come. He was building their faith and their grumbling. Even when it feels like we're in the wilderness ourselves, that same God we're reading about now, it still provides even necessities for us today. His hands are active, providing all sorts of things. You know, this day that we have started out with, worship. He provided this building so that we can come and worship, this, worship Him freely. He brings us here each week into His church and His presence with His people for a reason. We'll introduce Danny Sitters now. Uh, as you know, Danny and Marianne, I uh, got here this last week after driving through the night. Um, Danny, I also want to know if you could, if you could tell us um, a little bit how God's hand had uh, led you. Let me get you a microphone here. How God has led you here in Kansas City. All I can say right now is wow. It's a little... Um, overwhelming for Marianne and I right now. Incredible excitement, joy looking into the future. But as I've been telling my daughter all the last several days, I said, Danielle, can you believe we live in Kansas City? We're here. What, what are we called? Kansas Cityans? What, how do you say that? Is that? We're Kansas Cityans. Um. And yet, at the same time, we're kind of exiles. We're a long way from home. We've, we've been on an exodus. And yet, we are incredibly excited about being here, being with you, getting a chance to know you, to spend time. I love to drink coffee. I'll be at the coffee shop. I want to. I want to meet you there in your home, in our home. And so we're really looking forward to it. But but uh, let me make a disclaimer. Before you come to our home, you got to give us some time because we've uh, we've unloaded. Now we're unpacking, and so it's it's <laughs> it, it's taking some time. But I ask for just a few minutes to tell you our story uh, because I know some of you have been wondering. We got this guy from Louisiana that's living out in the country preaching to 30 people. Is this the best that there was out there? I get it. I understand. I grew up. My father, um, matter of fact, my father uh, has always been a preacher. He's been in ministry since the time he was 18 years old. And he, his health is not good. He struggles with Parkinson's. But I went to hear him preach. He, he asked the, the, one of the churches... Uh, they do a Sunday night service, and he, he struggled up to the pulpit, and I got a chance to hear him preach. And so his heart is still in proclaiming the gospel. His body's just failing him. So I grew up sitting on the second row with my three sisters and my mother. Um, I went to, um, I started out at the uh, Abilene Christian University, where I think I told you this before that I went there not for academics. I went there to play basketball, and and I did that for a while. 
I then transferred to Oklahoma Christian and got a chance to play uh, baseball at Oklahoma Christian, and that was really fun. Graduated with a degree in education and uh, planned on teaching and coaching. That's where I believed that uh, I was going to be and started in youth ministry and stayed in youth ministry for several years in the Tulsa, Oklahoma area uh, until I um, got the call to go and preach uh, down in Texas. And so I've been in the, in the pulpit now for the last 25 years or so. Um, about six years ago, Marianne's parents were not in good health. And we literally picked up and moved from Bixby, Oklahoma to West Monroe, Louisiana and moved in their house. And my wife ministered and cared for her parents uh, for about two and a half years until both of them passed away. And so I was just, Lord, what are we going to do here? What, what, what do I do in Louisiana? And so I just kind of pieced together jobs teaching at a Christian school, working at a Christian camp. Um, until um, this little church down in Columbia, Louisiana. My dad had been preaching there. And so he said, would you like to go and, and preach to them on Sundays? And I said, I would love it. So that's where we've been the last uh, five years. Great people down there. And they took care of us. They said, Here, here's a house. Come live in this house. They just took care of us. So when my daughter calls me about a year and a half ago or a little bit longer from across Interstate 29, we were talking on the telephone and she says, Dad, there's a church right across the interstate. She said, you got to come. I said, well, honey, you, what you're going to have to do is start a rumor on social media about their preacher. Get rid of him. Then there will be an opening. I can come. You know, just joking. She said, I'll call you back in just a minute. She called me back two minutes later or so. She said, Dad, I called the church. I talked to the secretary. The secretary said, they are starting to look for a minister. you got to come to Kansas City. I said, yeah, right. I said, let me pray about it. Right? Which is my way of saying no. That's kind of a funny deal in our family. I'll pray about that. Yeah. <laughs> kept on and kept on. So I finally said, okay, get my daughter off my back. I'll send a resume to the Heartland Church of Christ. <clears throat> I didn't really want to come. Not to Kansas City. That's a long way off. I said, okay, God. Two things have to happen here. The call of God throughout this process has to be evident. And the call of the church... From you guys. I'm going to stop saying y'all because I'm not in the South anymore. From you guys. <laughs> right. Because there are, there, there are times when, when, when you feel like you have the call of God into ministry, but you don't get the call of the church. I don't, and I, I don't want to go into that right now. But So I said, God, this church has got to show us that they really want us. And so, back, back to the call of God. We, this thing started a year and a half ago. By the time I got here in April and you were reading the, the, the biographical information, it had all changed even by that time, by, in April. My children weren't that age. We had been married longer than that. I think my son and daughter-in-law both had different jobs. And so when you were reading that, I was just kind of smiling on this has been a long process. 
Most churches don't have this long of a process. Neither do ministers who are interviewing. And I said from the very beginning, look, I won't even be available until the summer of 2018. Our, our youngest daughter, Caroline, uh, was her senior year. And I said, we're not moving during her senior year. It's okay. You told me. It's fine. Everything just continued to work. And, and, and I said, okay, God, this is getting serious now. <laughs> This is really looking like this is a real possibility for us to move to Kansas City. You, you, you need to make that abundantly clear. And I want to tell you who made it abundantly clear. It was the Heartland Church of Christ. And your calls and your emails and your texts and the cards that we received and your commitment to us. We said we're going to Kansas City. And we're ready to get back into full-time ministry and to get to know you and to get to love you. Now, i got to tell you something. I enjoy life and I enjoy living in the moment and I think life is fun. And I think life is... Uh, the day, we're not to just get through the day, we're to get from the day. So I want us to learn to make sure that we are in relationship with each other and that we are growing and that we have communication. And as we do that, we're going to influence and affect a lot of other people around us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we're looking forward to that. And so we ask for your prayers and your love and your patience And we look forward to what God has in store for all of us over the next several months and years. Now, let me tell you what solidified our decision when I found this out. And I didn't know this was going on. But my mom and dad both live in West Monroe, Louisiana also. And so over the last five years, we've been gone for 25 in ministry. So for the last five years, we've been able to spend time with my mom and dad. My mother told me about two or three weeks ago, she said, you know, I knew there would come a time when we'd have to say goodbye, but I wasn't ready for it. And she said, I was praying to God that he would find some location closer than Kansas City for you two to move to. I said, whoa. If the prayers of my mother could be vetoed or overcome, we got to go to Kansas City. And so here we are. And thank you for giving us this opportunity. And thank you for your love, your support, your commitment. And let's get rolling. Thanks. I'm looking forward to uh, many cups of coffee sharing with you. I'm looking forward to taking you to all the barbecue restaurants as well. And get you, get you fixed up real well. God hears the grumbling of his people and gives what seems to be Simple instructions for them to follow when it comes to receiving what the Lord provides to them. In uh, Exodus chapter 16, starting in verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in. And that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. 
So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. In the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread that you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Lord, I've heard the, sorry, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. So when we are filled with this bread from heaven, that has been sent from heaven, God says we will know that he is the Lord our God. Now the Israelites are tested here, and God just wants them to have faith in his provisions on what he can provide. They are to gather up this bread from heaven each day, and on the sixth day, gather up twice as much, so they don't have to on the next day. God wants them to have a characteristic or a discipline that he has called rest. God will even provide while we're resting. Now, the Israelites don't listen to Moses, and they go out on the seventh day to collect some of this manna, but it's not there, like Moses said. They didn't listen to who God had chosen to lead them. God wanted his people to spend a day communing with him. That's all. Put things aside and practice something that God did when he created the world. Rest. And then nowadays it seems pretty hard to do. Schedules are jam-packed, so much activity, so many things to do. That it's kind of easy for us to spend time with God. Thank him for what he's done, what he's doing, what he will do in our lives. Turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 10. We read about a little story about busyness here in the Bible and what Jesus has to say about it. Jesus just finished uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And Jesus and his disciples come to a village. And a woman named Martha welcomes them into her home. I'll be starting in verse 38. It says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, the word that Luke uses when he says distracted in Greek means to be pulled away from. So that is the definition of distraction. Uh, Martha was too busy to see what was really important in the here and now. And that was communing with God himself. She was worried about why Mary wasn't helping her. But Mary was already listening to Jesus. She knew it was important. We need to be more aware of that when we are, that the doing... Like in this situation, Mary and Martha, 
doesn't replace the time that we should have reserved for listening to the voice of God. Uh, this morning I want to give you three realities that Jesus makes here in verse 42 to take home with you so that you can, be, that you can help take uh, time to listen to God's voice. Uh, number one is communion with God is necessary. Jesus says, but one thing is necessary. To neglect listening to Jesus through his words will focus uh, us on secondary duties and on what should be primary. When we read the Bible, we hear our number one priority, and that is to listen to what God has said. Number two, communion with God is the best choice. Jesus says Mary has made the right choice. Jesus reminds us that we should be able to discern between what is better and best. One of the most challenging tasks for all of us is to discern the best decisions for our lives. We settle for good, beneficial, or safe. We miss out on what is best. Jesus reminded us that communing with him and his holy word is the best act that we can do. Number three is communion with God will make a lasting impact. So that it will not be taken away from her. Now we all long to see our friends, family, and, and fellow believers experience God in a life-changing way. We all want God to impact their lives in such a way that they'll never forget that moment when they experience God. But we often try to make that impact by focusing on physical duties, uh, tasks, and accomplishments to make that eternal mark on their lives. If we do this, they may never experience an eternal impact because we do not do what Jesus says produces that lasting impact on our lives. Jesus said that, Taking time, partitioning, protecting, and devotional, personal time to prayer, devotion to God, to communion with God, will make an eternal impact on anybody's life. Jesus tells us in John chapter 6 that he is the bread of life, and whoever comes to him will not hunger or thirst. And he is the true bread that came from heaven. It even says in John 6.41 that the Jews grumbled because Jesus said that he was the bread that came from heaven. More grumbling. Jesus then tells us that whoever eats of this bread will have, that we will live forever. Brother Sam talked about metaphors in this uh, Lord's Supper talk, and this is another metaphor. He mentioned, the one I was going to mention here in my sermon, that Jesus says that he is the door, or some versions say the gate. Now, we all know that Jesus isn't a literal gate, but what he is describing is something that is very, very real, and that is the ability to go to Jesus through him to stand before God and have eternal salvation. He is describing something that is very, very real in this metaphor, just like this. When we are to take Jesus and his word seriously, and we feast upon that bread, we will be truly satisfied in our soul. Jesus wants us to know that when we spend time with him, feast on his words, we'll be truly satisfied and we will find joy. Jesus came down from heaven to give us life. He offers a resurrection like the one he had because he wants us to experience that as well. God has always wanted a relationship with his people. And what's it going to take for you to finally give your life to him in obedience? To practice the thing that he practices. 
things that break your heart, the things that breaks God's heart. When you do have that, God will show you a tree, just like he showed Moses. This one takes away all bitterness and all sin, because his son was hanging on it for you. So you can have life. Now, if you're in need of prayer for anything that is happening in your life, uh, maybe you're in your own wilderness, and you can't seem to find God. Um, there'll be an elder up front, there'll be an elder in the back too, if you want to uh, ask for prayers, they will receive you, they will pray over you, help you with that. Maybe you're in need of some spiritual bread of Jesus then, and you need some prayers uh, searching him out. If there's any kind of need that you need, we ask that you come forward as we stand and worship God.